friends, if you're able, would you please remain standing for the reading of God's word? We're going to be reading today in Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. To the angel of the church in Pergamum, write, These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore. Otherwise, I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Let the one who has an ear, let that one hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. This is the reading of God's word. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Awesome. Well, hey, before we get into uh, the word today, the scripture, I want you to think in your mind. Whoops, sorry, Willie. Uh, uh, think in your mind. What is your favorite, and this, I hate doing favorites because I'm terrible at it, but favorite movie or show of all time? Favorite movie or show, and tell your neighbor. Go. All right, what do we got here? I want to hear some of the best shows, best movies of all time. Let's hear it. You can raise your hand or just shout it out. Let's hear some of the best. Yes. Sound of music. All right. It's a good one, but it's kind of sleepy. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You can get me later. The Chosen. Good answer in church. I like that. What's that? Pretty woman. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> to each their own. Yes. Ooh, that's. Do you hear the greatest showman? Good one. Yes, in the back. Tombstone. Tombstone. Now we're getting dark. Okay, a little heavy. Lay Miz. Okay, those are some good. Anybody else? One more. Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Is that what you were saying? All right, we can end on that one. Great classic film. Um, I brought in a couple of mine. Here's some of my favorite movies or shows. Pretty classic. You know, Gladiator, best epic film ever. And then Ted Lasso, super fun. Um, well, hey, we, I think as, as humanity, we've got this thing about story, right? It doesn't matter if you read a book, you watch a movie, a show, you can even watch like a little Instagram video, like a one-minute Instagram video of like a dog will bring you to tears, right? If it's told the right way or portrayed the right way. And God wired into all of us this thing for narrative or story. And story does so much for us. It gives us our place, like our, our identity and who we are. If we talk about our family lineage and our history, it tells us who we are when we tell stories. Um, stories can also communicate our values or our beliefs, our ideals, we communicate that through story. 
Uh, story connects to our hearts and our emotions, right? Unlike just statistics or numbers or things like that, a story connects us and it brings humanity together when we tell story. And uh, this wasn't our invention. God invented story, his way of communicating and relating to us. His creation was through story. And I remember my first kind of, when I started to discover the power of story, I think I was just out of college. I was dating my then, she's now my wife, and I went back to hang out with her family, and they just were, I don't know if you've been to a family like this, but they just told stories over and over and over again. Just they'd laugh, they would cry, they would, the stories got bigger and bigger as they told these stories, and now I've been married to her for 15 years and we'll be at like a family function and they'll start telling one of these stories and they're like, Nate, have you heard this story? I'm like, yeah, I've heard it 30 times. Like, do you want me to tell the story? Like, I've, I know the story very well. It's like I was there. I could, I could tell the story. But it was so cool to see how it affected their family and just, uh, they knew their place. It gave them identity. They'd tell stories when they were little kids and it was just this beautiful thing uh, that was happening. It still happens in her family today. And so any good story has these, these elements to it. I brought in a little slide of a story arc. And again, God's creation that we've discovered on what a story looks like. So a story starts with like background or setup, right? There's always that context. It, it paints you a picture of where the story takes place. Then you have the rising action uh, these incidences start to happen. This tension is starting to build. It takes you all the way to the climax where the, the main character has to make a decision or something happens. Climax happens, and then there's the falling action. Like those loose ends start to get tied up. Everything starts to come back together. And then I don't know about you, but my favorite part of the movie is the, the resolution, the happily ever after a good ending. Some of you are weird and you don't like a good ending. You like it to be left messy and crazy. But I think most of us, like we, it's just not right in our spirit or in our gut if a story doesn't end well, right? We, we want that happily ever after. And so this is happening in God's story. There's this cosmic narrative that's taking place that we find ourselves in, and it's God's story. It's an eternal story. There was God, He created created the earth, he created man. And then this thing called the fall happened where uh, sin entered into this timeline, into the story, and then God sent his son Jesus to help redeem it and restore it. So there's this cosmic narrative, this God story that's playing out that we are part of. And then there's all these little micro-narratives, all the other little stories throughout the scriptures from Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah, David, just think of all the stories. They all have this same thing happening. In the New Testament, and then our stories today, there's these little narratives that all roll up into God's cosmic narrative. And what we find when we, we get to Revelation, which is the book we've been studying, if you've been with us, uh, the nice thing about Revelation is it's uh, the end of the story. Right? This is the happily ever after. This is the part we've been waiting for, Revelation 22 paints this beautiful picture of this new Eden, this new paradise, restored relationship between God and man, perfect peace, perfect harmony. And this is the thing in all of us that we long for. Like, we, we can't wait for this, this end of the story to take place. 
It's like, remember when you'd watch a show and there was, uh, you'd watch an episode and then you have to wait a week? Remember that? Like a cliffhanger. Every episode is like the cliffhanger and you're just sitting there like, I have to wait a whole nother week to like find the resolution on this story? And now we can just, you know, binge watch all this stuff. And I don't know if that's any better, but it definitely reduces some of that anxiety, right? That tension, that frustration of like, ooh, what's going to happen next? And so if we look at God's you know, macro narrative, um, we're living in a 2,000-year cliffhanger, right? 2,000 years, we're like waiting for the next episode to come out, for God's perfect justice to take place, for him to rule. We're waiting for that. We want that so bad. And we know how the story ends. It's not a question mark. Like, we know there's a happily ever after, right? We know that, but we're just not there yet. And so what that does in our spirit is it produces all kinds of tension, anxiety, frustration. God, but I just want this to be right. This injustice, this broken relationship. God, I just, I want it to be right. Uh, There's this Christian author, Mark Sayers. Um, In his book, he calls this the gray zone. So I brought in a slide of this. It's like these two eras. You've got the passing era, the coming era, the end of the story in Revelation, and we've been living in this gray zone for 2,000 years, waiting for the end of the story to come, waiting for everything to be reconciled and made right. And so you and I, we live with this constant just hum of anxiety, like, let's, let's fix it, let's make it right. And, and anxiety, it's, I don't know about you, it's not comfortable, it doesn't feel good, And so what we do, these things where we start to mask it or suppress it or avoid that anxiety. Here's a couple of things that we do. Um, We work to avoid it. We overwork in order to avoid that sense of anxiety in our hearts. We drink to numb it. We turn to sex to soothe it. We respond in anger because we can't control it. I can't fix it. I can't make it right. So we respond in anger. And we accumulate stuff because we feel inadequate. And stuff kind of makes us feel like, ah, I matter. And so what's happening in all of our hearts, the same thing that was happening in the church in Pergamum, is we've misplaced our devotion. It's anxiety in us. It's, it's, we've, it's allowed us to misplace our devotion. We look around us and we start placing it in all these other things, instead of in God. And so let's open this letter. Let's look at what's happening uh, to the church in Pergamum in particular. Um, So they were going through this. Same thing as us. They were no different. Theirs was a little more intense than just anxiety. They were getting persecuted (laughs) for remaining true to their faith. People were being killed for that. And so the first part of this letter... John is writing to them and giving them affirmation and encouragement. Say, stay stay strong, stay faithful. This is what he says. Verse 13, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. So this first part is this encouragement. He's like, you guys are doing good. Keep it up. Remain strong. And a little context, as you hear the context um, of Pergamum, 
be thinking of our context here that we're living in. So Pergamum was this capital city, like let's say uh, Washington, D.C., picture that in your mind. Um, so it was this political place. There was all types of um, education going on there. It was, there was a library. Over 200,000 books were in this library. So it was one of the largest libraries in the ancient world at this time. Uh, one of the other things that was going on in Pergamum was there's all this idol worship. So you could come in and you could go into these different temples and worship any god you wanted. Roman gods, Greek gods, even the emperors were being worshipped at this time. And one of the ones that was uh, popular or famous was Asclepolis. Asclepolis. Let me see if I'm saying it right. Asclepius. Yeah, there it is. Asclepius. We brought in a picture of this guy. So this is Asclepius. He is the god of healing. And if you notice on his staff, there is a what? A serpent, a snake. And so this was a symbol of healing. And so what would happen, and this is kind of creepy, is if you were sick or if you were ill, you would go to his temple, you would stay the night there, and they would release snakes to crawl over you. And if you were touched by a snake, the belief was that you'd be healed. And so, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know, it'd be kind of creepy, kind of a weird practice. So this is one of those examples, and we still use that symbol today, right? The snake is found in our medical world today, we use that. It's the ancient Greek symbol of healing. Um, so this is one of the practices. This was happening, and John's commending and affirming the believers and saying, good job, you're not participating in some of these practices, Right? According to scripture, we have a very different symbol for the snake. It's not, not one of healing. It's a little bit more of death and destruction and Satan. So um, a very different understanding and symbol of the serpent. And so this letter starts out, he's affirming them, and then he changes tone. And then he says, hey, but I got some, uh, I got some corrections for you. It's a little bit of a rebuke. Let's see what's going on in the church things where they are allowing their devotion to be misplaced. Verse 14 says this, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin, that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. So he's saying, here's a few places where you're sl- you're, you're Letting it slide. Your, your devotion is misplaced. Let's get this back in order. And so I think for us as a church, this is a time for us to pause and reflect. For us as a church in Carlsbad in 2023, what are the areas where we have misplaced devotion in our hearts? Where have we allowed that anxiety to just get the best of us? And we start turning to these other things to numb it, to avoid it, control it, to escape it. And that's a human condition. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. We do these things to escape this pain and this tension. And so when Ryan so graciously gave me this passage, I freaked out and I said, thank you, Ryan, but um, uh, what do I do with this? So I scurried off to a guy in, on our campus named Jeff, Jeff Ranke, who has been dealing and working in this world for two decades as in our church, running our counseling department here. And I said, Jeff, Uh, How do we talk about this? What should we say? What do we not say? 
And after a 90-minute conversation, I said, Jeff, why don't we just have that conversation on stage at church together? And so that's what we're going to do. Jeff, if you want to, Jeff, come on up here. So Jeff's been on staff, I think, 30 years, running the counseling department for 20, written this book, Badly Broken, Deeply Loved. So you're kind of an expert in this well, field. I'm an expert in sin, so that's my <laughs> expertise. So I can, it's right redemptive now. It's redemptive. It's redemptive. <laughs> so so yeah. yeah, I mean, this was going to be an interview, but once Jeff starts going, you'll see he just starts ministering and going. So I'm going to pretty much set him up let you go, and I might interject a few minutes, but I'm going to set my timer because we only have seven minutes. So. <laughs> Ready, set, go, quick, make it good. I am setting my timer. <laughs> so, um, for both of us. Uh, so, yeah, we were talking about misplaced devotion. So, wh what does that look like? You've been dealing with this as our church specifically for decades. Yeah, so... The word devotion in Latin is addictus. Addictus is the word we get addiction. So when we talk about misplaced devotion, and this is what Gerald May says, he's the writer of Grace and Addiction, and he says, apart from Jesus Christ, we are all addicts. And the reality is, is when we're not walking in the spirit, and we're not experiencing the truth of God's love, mm -hmm. then we're going to misplace our devotion and we're going to attach ourselves to other things in our culture and our world. Wow. Are you seeing that happening today? <laughs> and so we need to understand the opposite of addiction is connection. Hmm. So when we've experienced wounds, we've experienced rejection, abandonment, we all here have pain through the story of our life. We all have a story to tell. I really appreciate you sharing about story because we all have a story. The, yeah, we do. the question is, what chapter are you in in your story? Now, I know for me growing up is that my story didn't matter because I would, I would really dismiss my life because of my own sin and the shame, the disappointments of my life. Even after I became a Christian, struggling with compulsive behavior, even as a believer, mm -hmm. even on staff, is I learned to disconnect, to dismiss my story because it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. But I was being tormented by the enemy of questioning my identity was in your failure, um, that you're defective, there's problems with you in this area, which then, which shame is really the, it's the energy that feeds addiction is when we feel bad about ourselves. Now, I love this passage that Jesus, the prophecy, he says, I have this against you. And then he says, you need to repent. Mm -hmm. Now, my story about repentance growing up was I always attach repentance to the holiness and the justice of God. That would always take me to a place of shame and guilt, that I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. But if you understand Romans chapter 2, it says, for it's God's loving kindness that leads us to repentance. Hmm. It's the loving kindness of God that draws us to him, himself. So when we're looking at these, church, the, these seven letters of the churches, is that there's first an invitation. It's an invitation to the church. He says, he who has ears, let him hear 
-hmm. what the Spirit is saying to the church. But the question is, I want to make this really personal for you and me, is could it be prophetically, he who has ears, what is the Spirit of God saying to you today? And then when he says repent, the word for repentance is, the Greek word for repentance is to return. It's not just a matter of correction. It's to return to your first love. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. So part of my story, um, in my pain, in my journey, and this is, in fact, I've never shared my story. I've been here for 30 years. You ready? <laughs> this is, I've never shared my story. You've got three minutes. We'll see. I got three minutes. Okay. <laughs> so that, okay. So I got 10, 10 years, one minute, 10 years. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, when I was, part of my story is when I was 12 years old, I was exposed to pornography. My father, my mom, good parents, wasn't raised in a Christian home. Uh, but at that time, I was 12 years old, and that was in the mid-60s, and what I realized, that was deep during the sexual revolution. And so the mass movement we saw of during the hippie movement is we saw this mass movement of, of, of the sexual revolution. And now, um, during the time that I was exposed to it, we understand that the whole, it was pretty common among the whole community mm -hmm. in, our, in our society. And what I didn't realize how that really impacted my life and how it caused me to pursue and look at other women and so forth. I want to share with you right now, God has redeemed that in my life. I wouldn't be sharing that with you if it wasn't for the redemption of the power of God in my life. But I can share that story because I came to the place when, and I'm, I brought my baggage and my pain. I didn't know how to deal with it, and I brought it into my marriage. I brought the baggage. I brought my compulsive struggles. One of the things I remember when I struggled with pornography, I became an angry person. Hmm. So a lot of my anger was attached to my internal battles and struggles with this battle of, of feeling shame and guilt and acting out and escaping through dabbling with pornography. And the reality is, is I want you to all understand that if I was to say, what's the elephant in the room today? Hmm. I would say it's pornography. Sexuality is at all-time high. I would say even it's a new cult. It's we've now sexualized our culture, mm. hypersexualized our culture, and now, unfortunately, we don't put our identity in Jesus, the create in the image of God that he made us as co-creators, that we can, create, we can create children, man and woman. Now we put our identity in our sexuality, mm. and that's causing that misplaced, that misplaced devotion we're seeing. And then that creates other things. You said anxiety, mm -hmm. depression. I think one of the other addictions we see in our culture, I really believe, is workaholism, mm -hmm. busyness. Yeah, right. I'm, the, I'm the master of burnout. But I feel so privileged and honored that for the last 20 years, I've been able to sit with people in their pain, in their crisis. And I want to say to you, and I have, a, I have an amazing team of pastoral counselors. Mm -hmm. I have an amazing team of facilitators and disciples who meet in our skills workbook and our workshop so they can sit in a place of safety and confidential, mm -hmm. confidentiality. And they feel safe to be able to deal with their struggles, with their shame, with their secrecy. And I want to say to you, and I, again, I've been a Christian for probably 45 years. I want to be honest with you, the church to me has not been the safest place in the community, hmm. historically. We have a tendency to come to church and we want to put on the smile and, 
put on a happy face and make sure that we're not doing bad because we don't want people to judge us that we've got issues. I know we don't have any issues here, do we? <laughs> but the reality is we, we need to understand that God wants you to realize. He says, come all ye that are weary mm -hmm. and heavy laden. Come. So when he says repent, it's, he says return to your first love. It's an invitation to yeah. come. To experience, he says, I'm a, he is attracted to our brokenness. Did you know that? He says, the sacrifices of God is a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. Yeah. That's the sacrifice of God. The mission statement of Jesus, through Revel he says this in Revelation, but the mission statement of Jesus, I've come to heal the brokenhearted mm -hmm. and to set the captives free and to release those who are in prison. I've come to church, being here for 30 years, there are times I've come in a lot of pain, a lot of disillusionment in my own journey, even as a pastor. And God's used me in my pain. Hmm. But coming not feeling that I've just got, I'm a pastor, I've got to put on a happy face. I've got to, people got to see me that I've got no problems. But I, I want you to know that God is attracted to our brokenness. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned? Do you remember the Father, God the Father, approached them? And you know he started rebuking them? No. He said, where are you? Where are you? When Jesus came to the festivity and he walked into the eastern gate, the first place he went to when he arrived in, in Jerusalem, he went to the pool of Bethesda where the multitudes of the sick and the death and the dis disabled and the blind, he went to where the pain was the deepest. Hmm. I want you to know that there's a movement of God that's taking place today. It's not happening always on Sunday mornings, but we're experiencing hmm. in, up there in the pastoral counseling place, in our small groups, in the confidential small groups, creating safety. The people are coming in their woundedness and their pain and saying, I, I, I cannot do this anymore. Mm -hmm. now, Jeff, let me help. cut in for you real quick. Mine, yours was like, your hindrance was safety in the church of why you didn't get it out into the light. Mine was a little different when I'm struggling with lust. Uh, and mine was, I didn't believe it was possible to overcome it. I just felt like I'm a man. This is what men deal with. Um, I, you would use the passage of Paul. He talked about a thorn in his side that he lived with. And I would use that and say, yep, that's my thorn in my side. It's just part of my human nature. And it wasn't until I was in one of these small groups, these men's skills type class, where I learned, like, no, it's possible. There is healing. There is hope. Um, it doesn't mean there's not still struggle. But now I have, I have tools and I can call it out. I have an accountability group I'm a part of on a weekly basis to call that out when there's triggers where I'm feeling anxious. It's like I can get it out quicker, and now I have tools to deal with it. But I just didn't think it was possible. I didn't have any hope, you know, that that was even, that was even possible. So You're probably not alone in that, the status quo. Well, I'm going to deal with this the rest of my life. And we all broken. I mean, we all have issues, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's anger or anxiety. You said we all have issues. The question is, what do we do with it? We just bury it. Mm -hmm. And I know that what we've experienced is the journey of taking people in their crisis to character development, Christ-like character development, to a place of understanding their calling. How long does that take? 
a lot of your rest of your life. <laughs> but that's the journey. There is hope. That's the journey. So I want to just, as we bring this time, because we got a minute and a half now. <laughs> but I want to share with you is that I want to ask you, um, which I'm seeing, we're seeing the move of God. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the breakthroughs. We're seeing people having these awakenings. And we're, we're experiencing people having breakthroughs in their whether it has to do with addiction or their anxiety or fear, they're experiencing the love of Jesus in their pain. Mm-hmm. And what we've learned to do is we take them in a place from smallness to slowness to deepness. That's the journey of transformation. Slowness, smallness. We've got to spend time in a safe place and be, confess, yeah. as you said. We'll so I want to know, that what's that? Go for it. Yeah, so I want, to know, I want to ask you, how many of you, and this is what I'm experiencing, I'm seeing, in my own brokenness, because there's a, I know there's a lot of pain here. <laughs> we, all, we all walked in here with issues in our life. We all struggled. But some of you, maybe you've been experiencing since COVID, you've had some major breakthroughs in your life. You've, God has spoken to you. Maybe you've been in, you know, through counseling or in a, a small group home group or maybe at the men's skills or women's skills. I want to ask you, how many of you here in the last year and a half or since you've had a breakthrough, you've had an aha moment where God has shown you some error in your life that you didn't know? I want you to raise your hand right now. You've had a ma- Look at the hands up. You've had a major breakthrough that God has showed up. I believe we're seeing not a great awakening, but I think we're seeing an awakening that God is pouring out his spirit. Mm-hmm. And you, out of your pain and your brokenness, is to be an instrument of healing for others. Mm-hmm. But if you just, if you avoid your story, you dismiss the pain, you ignore it, and just put on a happy face and operate out of toxic positivity and, and uh, <laughs> compulsive goodness coming to church, <laughs> we're not being authentic. Well, let's practice that now. Let's do that. We want to do an imitation for... So I want to ask you, are you in this place, are you in a place in your life that I just can't do this anymore? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Are you, maybe, maybe it has to do with a relationship with a family member, that you, there's, there's been discord. It, maybe it's your marriage, there's been problems, there's, and you feel stuck. Or maybe on a personal basis, you're struggling with maybe anxiety or anger or depression. Or maybe, like me, you struggle with white-knuckling some sort of compulsive, addictive behavior. Mm. I want you to know, Jesus is here saying, come. I love you. My loving kindness calls you. I'm here, to, I'm here to heal you. Hmm. I know you. I know your pain. And Jesus says, I'm closest to you in your pain. So what I want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to be courageous. Are you in a place where you're sick and tired? I'm being sick and tired. Did you walk in there wondering, caring maybe or this shadow, maybe there's some sort of cloud over your head that you've been wrestling with, and you don't know what to do with it. I want you to know that Jesus is here. His spirit is here. His presence is here, and he's here because he loves you. Mm -hmm. 
But we have to make a stand and we have to acknowledge that, God, I can't do this anymore on my own. It's not white knuckling. I need help. I cannot do this anymore. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you if you're struggling, if you're struggling maybe with any sort of compulsive behavior, or maybe you're struggling with anxiety, or maybe you're struggling with burnout of just, I'm just being honest with busyness. You just can't stop working. Or maybe, I think, I think social media is a huge issue. I don't know whatever it is, but is there something where you have, that you have misplaced devotion that you're putting your energy and your hope yeah. and, your, and your meaning and purpose in that? Then we need to deal with that right now. So I'm going to ask you, if you would like to be prayed for and you would like to acknowledge and confess before God, because it's the audience of one. It's not about the people sitting next to you. It's just the audience of one that God's saying, I'm here for you. So if you would like to get prayer and you want to stand up and say, I, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want to deal with this issue right now. I want you to stand up. We're not alone. We're not alone in our pain. God is here to heal you. Right now, I know some of you, you're, you're wrestling in your internal being. You're questioning. But I want you to know that God is here for you. So what we're going to do, if you see anyone standing up, I want you, if you're around them, just go ahead and lay hands on them, please. Go ahead and lay hands on them, and we're going to go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you, God, that you are a God of love, that you've sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to this planet to bring hope to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring deliverance. And Lord, so right now, Father, we pray you'd release your spirit into the hearts, into the hearts and minds of every person here, God, that they are right now. I know many of them are in this place of struggling with pain that they've not known what to do with. And so, Lord, we know you're here, and this is a safe place that we can deal with our, we can do with our, deal with our pain. And so, Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would rest upon every person here. You said, come all ye that weary, and I will give you rest. And I pray you'd release them from any sort of heaviness, any sort of bondage, any, any sort of stronghold, whether it has to do with an addiction, Lord, I pray that you would give them the wisdom to, to take a path to be set free to get set free from the addiction. If they're struggling with anxiety, that, Lord, we have resources here, they can come and have a voice and begin to address their fears and their disappointments. And Lord, if there's a relationship that they're struggling with, I, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you give them the wisdom and the insight to realize, God, you're called us to be peacemakers, to love our enemies. And so, Father, right now we pray, speak to every person, heal their hearts, minister to them. And I pray, Lord, there would be a release of your spirit a release in their hearts and their minds, God, to set them free, that they would be an agent of humility, of grace, and of love as they leave this place. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, right now. Yeah.
Right now in response, we're going to go into a time of communion. And so as we prepare our hearts, um, I want to, one, if, if you don't have the elements, um, just raise your hands and the ushers um, will come through and will um, give you the elements for communion. Um, and I also want to encourage you, um, as you process uh, what um, God is speaking to you right now, um, I want to encourage you to take whatever posture you want to take. Usually we will all stand together. Um, but, but right now, if you need to stand, stand and lift your hands to the Lord. If you need to just sit and spend some time processing with Jesus, do that. If you need to get on your knees and get on your face before him, uh, do that. Um, but take whatever posture you need to take with the Lord as we sing this song. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. No. You don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do. I just want you. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry. Just sing another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot. Nothing else. Nothing else. 
last thing we uh, see in the letter to Pergamum is John leaves the church with a promise. He gives them these promises, and one of the promises he leaves is this hidden manna. And that manna is that symbol or that memory all the way back to the Israelites when they were in the desert that God was faithful, that he provided, that he filled their stomachs, their earthly stomachs. They didn't have to turn their devotion to anything else that he would provide. And Jesus is saying he's the eternal manna, that he has come, that he is the bread of life, that in him, only in him, will all our needs be met. There'll be a happily ever after in Jesus, and we can trust him for that. And so if you've got your communion cup, go ahead and uh, take the bread out and just uh, remember that this was God's, Jesus' body broken for us. This was his promise to us that he will provide, that he is faithful, and we can trust him. Let's take this together. cup represents Jesus's blood. It's through his blood that we have forgiveness of sin, a gift that we can't give to ourselves. It's not by our own effort that we can have restoration and reconciliation with God and with one another. It's only through him and through his blood. And so let's take the cup together now. Jesus, we just thank you that you are the divine creator, that you're not just up in heaven living out your cosmic story, looking down on us, but you actually entered into our story, our little micro-narrative happening down here on this earth. You stepped into it. You became a human. And not only that, then you died for your creation. You died for us so that we could have wholeness, so that we can get to the end of the story and live in Eden once again with you. It's an incredible gift, God, and we are grateful. God, help us to restore our devotion to you as we go throughout our week. Any of those things that start to trigger us or start to grab our attention away from you, that we would just surrender it, we would just pray through it, God, and lift our eyes back up to you. This hidden manna, this eternal provision that is only offered in you, God. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this gift. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. Well, thanks for being here today with us. Have a great weekend. And uh, go grab one of those tags off one of those walls for the students. Go in peace, everyone. Have a great week.